This is New Life Christian Fellowship's weekly message podcast. You can find us online at newlifepetaluma.org. And now, this week's message. So we are talking about Advent, and today we are going to be talking about hope. And so I think probably the best way to start off the conversation around hope, because hope has so many different pictures and definitions that we all like to use. I think it's probably a good idea that we all land on the same page. So the question is, what is hope? What is biblical hope? And the answer to that is, first, I'm going to give you the negative and then the positive. The negative, hope is not, when Scripture talks about hope, it's not the kind of hope where we just sit back in our rocking chairs or our recliners and all of those kind of things, and we just sit back and we just kind of hope things work out for the better. That's not the kind of hope that Scripture's talking about. Hope that the Bible talks about is a hope that motivates us and pushes us to bring about the change that we so desperately want to see. And so we're going to look at this, and we're going to be encouraged. Amen? You ready? All right, so let's take a look at this. First of all, I want to settle this. Matthew chapter 12, verse 21 says this, And his name will be the hope of the world. Now, this verse is talking about Jesus. And I want to make it very clear that the only hope the world has from its issues is Jesus. It's the only hope. It's the only hope. Now, I know that sounds like a very uh, strong thing to say, and I know it may sound like an oversimplification, but if you look at who Jesus is and what he did and what he taught and all of those things, Jesus is the hope of the world. And so I want us to be really, really sure about that. Jesus, yes, he brought redemption. And I don't know about you, but I am incredibly thankful for that. God is redeeming and has redeemed all things, and I'm so thankful for that. But the hope that people had in Jesus just wasn't in the mission to die for our sins and be buried and raised again. He was here showing us how to be human. He was teaching us about the Father, and he had stripped all of the prisms that people were looking through away so that they could see who God is clearly. Colossians chapter 1, Jesus is the very visible image of the invisible God. That's why people had hope. They, they saw him, they touched him, they, they were able to see what he does. And, and that, that Jesus is the hope of the world. And it's that Jesus who is here with us today, who's leading and is guiding us. Amen. So today I want to talk, first of all, about this wrong kind of hope, hopelessness. And I want you to see this here. Yes, you like my little cartoon character? I searched long and hard for that one. Trust me. Everything had some kind of stock emblem on it or something. I got to get better at my sleuthing skills. But anyway, hopelessness. Proverbs chapter 13 and verse 12 is a very, very interesting verse. It says, hope deferred makes the heart sick, but a dream fulfilled is the tree of life. Now, what is this verse talking about? Hope deferred. 
Deferred means put off. It means I'm dragging it out or I'm pushing pause or I'm saying, wait till later. And we all kind of do this, right? You know, some of us are waiting to New Year's to start our New Year's diet resolutions. Yeah, you know, but that's, that's hope deferred, <laughs> right? Or sometimes we talk about, hey, I'm, I'm going to start changing some things in my life and I'm going to start whatever. And we end up just kind of putting it off, putting it off, putting it off. And eventually what happens, we kind of become sick and weak. That's what happens spiritually. A lot of times when we put off the hope and we're not acting upon it, what takes place? Our, we, we become bitter. And I, I don't want to talk about bitterness because we talked about that a few weeks ago. And we become spiritually weak when we defer and we don't act upon hope. But what it says here is like when we do act upon hope, what is it like? We're like a tree, a tree of life or a tree by the water. It's, it's a beautiful thing. Have you noticed the colors right now in Sonoma County? Isn't it beautiful? So when I was preparing this passage of uh, scripture, when I was looking at this, that idea of that tree just was like, so amazing. It's like all these fall colors and it's beautiful. And that's how God wants it to be for us. So we can't practice this kind of hopelessness where we say, you know what, I'm just going to sit back and hope that things get better. You know, it's, it's interesting. I think that this might be some of the issue around Western Christianity is because we're practicing that kind of hope and it's making our hearts sick. We often say, you know, when we look at the world, we're like, Jesus, how much worse does it have to get before you come? How, and you know, the thing is, is like, we've been saying that since Jesus left. We have. I mean, I know this is going to shock you, but believe it or not, I don't think like Nero had, I don't think that President Biden has heads of his enemies dipped in oil and lighting his garden as candles. We were able to drive to church today without seeing on both sides of the roads crucifixions. We were able today to come to a church where people love each other and they serve each other and they care about each other, and we didn't have to do it in secret. So see, I think, I think that whole thing of looking at the world and saying, Lord, how bad does it have to get before you come? I think we need to celebrate what's good in our world. Celebrate the beauty, celebrate what's taking place. I mean, guys, we are living in an exciting time in our world. It's an exciting day. Things are happening across the globe. And if we get our information from non-paid-for news, <laughs> we can see that there's a lot of beautiful things taking place. There was this gentleman that I came um, to know. Um, this was a while back when I was in, um, in uh, living on Vancouver Island in my first New Life church. One of the things about Mark, Mark was connected. Mark Buchanan was the lead pastor of that church, and he was so connected. And so he used to take us on staff retreats. Now, I want you to picture this. Vancouver Island kind of comes to a, a point, and right at the point, there's this house that's got 12 rooms in it, 
and it's got a wraparound deck, and it's ocean surrounding you almost 360 degrees, and it's got a heated infinity pool. That's where we used to do our staff retreats because he knew somebody. (laughs) And his wife would come in, uh, the guy that owned the house, his wife would come in, and she would cook for us for our entire uh, trip and retreat. And she only charged us for that place $1,200 for four days. And here's the cool thing. When we wrote her the check, she turned around and wrote the check back to us for the same amount. We got to stay for free. And they do this for all churches. Because see, what happened is this guy owned a single dump truck. And he was working hard, and the Lord blessed him. He was able to get some more. And then eventually, he bought a piece of property. And lo and behold, city progress went that way. And so the price of his property went up overnight, and he went from a guy owning a dump truck to like a multi-gazillionaire. And so not only were they serving churches, they were traveling to Africa and building wells and orphanages and greenhouses, teaching people skills, how to live, all of those kind of things. And see, my brothers and my sisters, if we weren't looking for beauty, we would miss people like that. Are you with me? There is enough in this world that should give us hope. I don't want to be the guy that looks at our world and all it sees is negative and horror. It's there, is it not? It's there. Like, but even in the midst right now of the war between uh, Hamas and Israel and all of that kind of stuff, do you know that there's truck drivers and people and care and doctors and nurses pouring into that place, giving and giving and giving? We need to see the beauty in that and pray for more of it. Amen? God is at work, and that gives us hope, what? To keep pushing on. Not the kind of hope where we sit back and say, okay, Jesus, how, how much worse has it got to get, right? I mean, we're about to enter the 2024 elections. <laughs> we know that's fun around here, right? How much worse has it got to get, God? <laughs> Deliver us, right? But here's the thing. That's not the kind of hope that scripture is talking about. Yes, we have a hope that eventually Jesus is going to come and rule and reign, amen? And I'm looking forward to that, but that kind of hope shouldn't paralyze me for today. I want us to look at hopefulness. Always hope there is. How many of you like Yoda? Yes? This was so cool. I I sent my slides off to Shannon and She replied back, welcome you are. (laughs) But anyway, so here we go. There's always hope, right? Always hope there is. So let's look at Hebrews chapter 10. Let us hold tightly without wavering to the hope we affirm. For God can be what? Trusted to keep his promises. And let us not think, and let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works. And let us not neglect our meeting together as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of his turn of his return draws near. Now, I want us to know that the writer of Hebrews was talking about the same thing we're talking about, right? 
They thought Jesus was going to show up at any moment. And he could. Amen? He could. And I wouldn't be sad about that. I would celebrate that, and you would too. Amen? But yet there's something very, very interesting going on in this passage, and I want us to see it together. So next slide. Look at this. First of all, hold tightly. Now, this idea of hold tightly, if, if you were hearing this read or you were reading it yourself, you would see that it was written in a tense that actually means keep on holding on. Keep on holding on. Now, what I love about this is it didn't say be an overcomer and ride over top of those terrible waves. This is me surfing, by the way. Actually, it'd probably be me more falling off. It didn't say that. It just said what? Hold on. Everything you do, hold on to this hope. And we're going to talk about that hope in just a second. So hold on to it. Keep hanging on. And then it says without wavering. And actually, in the Greek, it means that which does not bend. And this is what James talks about in James chapter 1. It says that we're not to be like um, a wave. How many of you love going to the ocean? Everybody's hands up, I can't tell. Some people's hands aren't up, and I think I'm going to talk to you about Jesus after the service. But anyway, we're not to be like those waves that come and go, where our faith is strong, and then not so strong. That's me. Hope-filled, not hope-filled. It says what? Be unwavering. Be constant. And what are you asked to do? Well, the first thing is hold on. Hold on. But I want us to look at the next verse. Now, this next verse is really, really curious, and, it, and it's the key to understanding hope. And I want us to look at it together. Let hope motivate us, what? To think of ways we can, what? Love better and engage in good works. Act upon the hope. So in verse 23, it says what? Hold on. Hold on. And sometimes you need people to help you hold on. Amen? So you come together. And what do we come together for? To think of ways to do more to think of ways to love better, to think of ways to do good. Why? Because God's not slack in his promises. Amen? So if we act upon hope and then we encourage each other that, hey, maybe there's a way we can reach out to your community. Maybe there's a way that we can do things together that might appeal to a certain corner of the population in, in Sonoma County or whatever. Like, that's what we get together for. To encourage us what? To sit back and go, oh, woe is me. The world is horrible and everything just sucks. Is that what we get together to do? No, we get together to celebrate, to love, to encourage each other, to act in hope, keep moving. Hope is a force that motivates us to step forward into what Jesus is calling us to do and to be. And we're encouraging each other to do that. Amen? And then it says what? 
show up and receive encouragement and give encouragement and keep what? Moving forward with hope. So here's the thing. It tells you, hold on. Step two, be creative. Think of new ways to engage with people. Think of new ways to act upon the hope that we have. And the third thing is, get together. Amen? See, this is the thing that happened during COVID, and we all felt it in churches. We all did. When everything was locked down and we're not able to meet as a group of people, we suddenly realized what the importance of community is. Amen? Life is just harder alone than it is with people. It just is. And God designed us that way. Jesus said that in, when he created the world and he created us, we were created in his image. And God the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit dwell in perfect unity in community. And we are to model that, amen? Amen. I was talking with uh, Pastor Ron this past week about some potential future sermon teachings that we're going to do. And, you know, he reminded me of, of what happens in John. And there's this beautiful picture where Jesus prays this prayer. And it's a mystical prayer. Because it says that we are one. And it says, just like God, you are in Jesus. And Jesus, you're in God. And, 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 and Jesus is in us. And God is in us. And we're in them. The conspicuous thing is the Holy Spirit's missing. Why? Because where's the Holy Spirit? In us. Somehow we're called to live in divine community with God. Isn't that amazing? And we're to spread that community here and to be hopeful people to act upon our hope to live like Jesus because my brothers and my sisters Jesus's life was so inspiring because of what he did and what he taught and he's called us to do the same to be people filled with hope not the hope that causes us to disengage but a hope that causes us to engage to act, to move the kingdom forward. I want, so I want to answer that question. What is, hope, what is a hopeful people? What are they like? Hopeful people believe their actions will bring about the change they want to see. Hopeful people are committed to this belief that their actions matter. And we talked about this some in the Way of Jesus series back in the summer. What we do does matter. What we don't do matters. It matters. Hope-filled people believe that by putting their best into a situation that they can bring about the change that they want to see. And my brothers and my sisters, we're living in a time and in a season of epic change. Epic change. Why? Because people have put this to the test. They have stepped forward and they've said, you know what? I'm going to live out my hope. Now, their hope may not be found in Christ but they're trying to bring about a different future, a different reality. My brothers and my sisters, new life 
We are hopeful people. We are hopeful. We believe that by our direct actions that we can bring about the change we want to see. You know, I was here the other night. I told you we were here and we were decorating. It was so funny to watch me anyway. And it was amazing because the nomadic shelter was here on one night. And I saw people using their gifts and their talents, acting upon hope to bring hope to the most hopeless people in our community. You can't tell me that doesn't matter. It does matter. It matters what they do. It matters what we do with foster care. It matters what we do with all of the impact ministries. Amen? It matters. Why? Because we're just trying to fill a spot? No, we're trying to bring about Jesus change. We're trying to bring about Jesus change. And the only way that that can happen is if we act in hope, we step out and we bring our best to the equation. And God is not slack in his promise keeping. So I know if I step in, I'm not stepping in by myself. Guess who's coming with me? The Holy Spirit. God himself, the original change agent. Don't tell me it doesn't matter, but I know it matters. You're here today because a family lived in Hawaii said, what? You want us to start a what? Where? And look at what God's done. It matters what we do. It matters tomorrow what you do when you go to your various places and spaces. If you walk in and you begin to act on hope, I believe with all of my heart that you're going to see change because Jesus promised it. So the question then becomes this. How can we become more hopeful? I want to give you some very practical suggestions on how we can be more hopeful people. First of all, there's still hope, all right? So number one, show up in whatever situation we face with hope, then we are guaranteed hope is present. See the Freudian thing there? If I bring hope into the equation, guess what? It's there. And people can begin to sense it and touch it. And pretty soon it starts to rub off. And pretty soon that hope that I brought into the equation has made, hopefully, the situation more hopeful. And people are able to see a little more clearly this hope that we're talking about. So bring hope with you. Next one, focus on what you can control. Now, I want you to write these three words down. Control, concern, influence. These are important words. Take pictures of them because I'm going to give you something here that's going to free you. Okay, you ready? All right, here we go. Control, what do I mean by control? Control means that I have the ability to affect change by making a decision that I can make. So I choose 
to be a better father. Not I choose for my wife to be a better mother, right? I choose to be a better father. And that's a choice I can make, amen? That's a choice. Those kind of choices are for there for everybody to make. We can make these choices and we can control that. So that's what I mean by control. It's, it's a decision that I make that actually affects the outcome and changes things. So I'm going to focus on that. The next word, what is it? Concern. Concern. These are the areas that I spend the majority of my time thinking about, worrying about, praying about, anxious about, whatever term you want to throw in there, but I have no ability to change it. Where do we spend most time thinking? Do we think about our control areas most or our concern areas most? Oh man, do we spend a lot of time there. We spend a lot of time thinking about our concerns to the point that we almost don't have any energy to focus on the things that we can control. Amen? Now, here's the trick. The enemy wants you to focus on your concerns. So say your concern legitimately is, I want my wife to be the most amazing mom she can ever be. If you want to see that happen, that's a concern, right? You just can't walk up to your wife one day when she gets out of bed and goes, you know what? Today's the day you're going to be a better mom. (laughs) How how do you think that's going to go over? (laughs) Right? It's not going to be good for you the start of your day. Right? But here's what does happen. If I choose, and this is what the enemy knows, if I choose to focus on the area of control, and say, Lord, I'm going to choose to be a better father so that I can have influence over my concerns. So if I want my wife to be a great mother, I need to be a great father. Do you see how that works? Then I have influence over my areas of concern. So if we want the world to be a better place, choose to make your home a better place. If you want the world to be a better place, choose tomorrow to go to work as a hope-filled employee acting upon the principles of Jesus and then watch what happens to your concerns. You start to have influence, amen? And the more influence we have, we see more change, which makes us more hopeful. Do you see the upward spiral? And it's amazing, right? But there's also the downward spiral. When we focus on concerns, We don't have energy to to invest in ourselves and and control the things that we can control and our influence, what? It shrinks. And then what happens? We become less hopeful. And it's a downward spiral. So see, church, we have a choice to make. My brothers and sisters, we have an important choice to make this Advent season. Let's choose to operate in hope that motivates us to action because we believe deep in our core, just like Jesus, just like his disciples brought about world changing uh, uh, things and teachings and communities, just like that happened, we can do the same. It's a choice that says, I'm going to control what I can control and I'm going to be a hopeful person and I'm going to act on it. And then we're going to step back and watch God do God-sized things. Amen? Amen. So let's be hopeful people. 
Amen? Let's pray. So, Father, I come before you. And, Father, I pray that tomorrow as we go into various places and spaces that we would be full of hope and full of joy and full of peace and that we would be excited about the opportunities that are in front of us. And I pray, Father, that we would not be overly distracted by all the negativity in life, but we would be focused upon the goodness and where you're at work and that we would celebrate it. In your name I pray, amen. We hope you enjoyed this week's message. You can find more information about New Life, including contact information at newlifepetaluma.org. Thanks for listening.